All right, James chapter number three this evening. And we're just continuing and going to try to finish up James chapter number three and been thinking about what are we going to do when we finish the book of James and, and, you know, I got two or three things that I'm going to be working on as a church and what we'll be studying and, and all of that, um, because we'll, we will be, you know, winding down our Sunday morning study and our Sunday nights or second service study and our Wednesday, all of them is kind of coming to a close at the same time. But anyway, pray with me about that, what the Lord would have us to, to know and understand. And we're going to try and conclude James chapter number three tonight. And um, the wisdom of speech is, is what we have titled this section here. And so James is explaining in this section about the speech which displays wisdom. If you remember, we've looked at the three Three different points so far, and, and uh, we're studying the book of James, and we're looking at the proofs that James is saying is the proofs of faith. If you say you have faith, then these things are going to be evidence. And, and we looked in James chapter number one, and, and we saw that because you have faith that you uh, will walk patiently through trials. And then in chapter number two, we saw that if you are a person of faith, then you will be impartial in the way that you deal with others. And now in James chapter number three, we're seeing that the person that has faith is a person who controls their tongues. But we remember that James said earlier in, uh, I think James chapter number one, he said, if any of you lack patience, let him ask, or if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally. And so now James is going to explain uh, that wisdom will be on display. Notice verse 13. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge? So he's going to say, you know, earlier I said if you lack wisdom, you ask of God and, he's, and he gives to all men liberally. Now you've asked for that wisdom and that wisdom is going to be displayed and James is going to say the way that that wisdom is displayed is going to be by your speech. And so the person who has professed faith, if they are following God in wisdom, will be discreet in their speech. And the person that says they have faith and they're not discreet in their speech, they really are not wise at all. So let's read James 3.13. Who is a wise man endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good works, without partiality, without hypocrisy, and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. 
And so again, we remember just the, the kind of the premise of the book is that James is trying to help these scattered Christians in their walk with Christ and he's trying to teach them because they're scattered and they're probably separated from their teachers. And so he's trying to uh, help them in their walk. And again, we talked about it already that first we saw that those who are true people of faith will prove their faith by how they handle tribulations. And second, they will prove their faith by being impartial. And now we're seeing that James is talking about their tongue, about the way they speak. And if you remember last week, we talked about how James uh, mentions to them that you can't be double-tongued, that, that they need to guard their speech, and they need to understand that, the, that, that evil and good can't come from the same uh, tongue. You can't have a tongue that speaks evil and a, a tongue that blesses God and a tongue that curses man. That just that doesn't go together. And so he's trying to get them to think about their speech because a sign of maturity is your speech and a sign of a lack of faith is in your speech. And so an unwise man is known by his speech. And that's what James is trying to uh, keep in front of them. And, and one of the things you'll notice in this text that we read today is the conflict. There's a conflict between the wise man and the unwise man. And, and again, as you're reading through the text, one of the things we want to remember is that when an author is writing, one of the tools that he uses is that he'll use a conflict and a resolution. And so one of the things that we uh, should be looking for as we read a text is a conflict and a resolution. And by the way, uh, they say that if you're a speaker... If you're a teacher of the scripture, one of the things you ought to do is look for the conflict and the resolution because it's always present. And that's the way that you should form your message is around the conflict and the resolution. And so James is going to talk about the conflict between the two tongues, the tongue that is wise and the tongue that is unwise. And he's going to talk about the resolution. And so that's the way we're going to look at this today. And so James asked this question. And again, that's another way that, um, you know, it's really a rhetorical question. It's, um, but it's a way that James is trying to convey a thought. He's going to ask a question and answer it. And it, the question is, who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? And so James asks that question. And why does he ask that question? Because remember, earlier said, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who give it to all men liberally. But there might be some in this group who think, I don't need to ask for wisdom. I am a wise person. I'm a mature Christian. I don't need to listen to what you have to say, James. I'm mature. What do I need to listen to this for? So James is going to discuss that because let's remember something about knowledge. See, who is a wise man in to do with knowledge? What happens when someone gains knowledge? The scripture tells us that knowledge does what? Knowledge puffs up. Knowledge makes someone full of pride. Have you ever been around someone who thought they were so smart about a subject that they didn't need to be taught about anything? And, and we all know what teenagers are like, right? When they begin to be teenagers, they think they know what the world is all about and, and they don't need to listen to what mom and dad has to say. That's because the knowledge that they think they have puffs them up. And there are so many Christians who run into that same point. They, they, they're, they've been saved and, and they start learning about a scripture and, and all of a sudden they 
think they got it all figured out and they don't need the wisdom of the ages and they don't need to follow uh, the, the past that had been set before them and follow the, the processes that have been set before them and they think they can go it on their own. Listen, that's knowledge that puffs up and James is warning them about that. And so James is going to say, listen, who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Who is the true wise man? He says there in verse 13, let him show out of a good conversation his works. So that man that is truly wise, it's going to be evidenced by his life. It's going to be evidenced by the way he lives. And ultimately, we're going to see that often it's going to be displayed by the way they speak. See, let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness and wisdom. And so... Meekness is necessary in order to perform good conversation, in order to live a good godly life. It requires meekness, and meekness is softness of temper, mildness, gentleness, forbearance under injuries and provocations. That's how Webster defines meekness. Meekness is not going to be, so you take the opposite of that. Someone who is not meek is going to be someone who uh, has, a, uh, has a temper and gets, they get up in arms and you, can, and you can tell when they start, things start getting under their skin and they start, you know, they're going to respond and, and they might be severe. They're not general, gentle um, and they don't bear up under difficulties very well. You know, when when difficulties start coming their way, you know, they start getting red-faced and they start getting huffy and, and all of that. That person is not meek. That person is full of pride because, it's, you know, you can see they're about to... Wah! James is saying, now that person's not very wise. That person is not showing out of a good conversation the change that Jesus Christ has made in their heart. You see, because meekness is the proper attitude of wisdom. That's what Vincent has to say about that. Meekness is the proper attitude of wisdom. In other words, as you grow more mature in your wisdom, your temper will be less. You'll become more mild. You'll become more gentle. You'll be able to bear up underneath injuries and provocations. And so... So wisdom and true wisdom is going to have an impact in the life of the one that possesses true wisdom. This poem or statement was in Vincent's study on this. Knowledge is proud that she has learned so much. Wisdom is humble that she knows no more. And so we recognize that who is a wise man and to do with knowledge? He's going to show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. He's going to, you're going to be able to tell by the way they live their life in their speech that they are meek. And by the way, and we'll not take the time to look there, but meekness is one of the attributes which describe Jesus. Let's remember that. People always say, well, meekness is equal to weakness. No, it's not. It's actually more difficult to be meek than it is to, than so it's not a sign of weakness. Meekness means that you're able to control your temper. You're able to control the way you respond to situations. And, and again, Jesus was not a weak man, and he was described as meek and lowly. 
uh, in heart. And so uh, we know that about Jesus. And so um, meekness is not weakness. And so James is saying that person that truly is wise and truly has knowledge in their life, they're going to show their the goodness of God in their life and the wisdom that they have. And it's going to be displayed by the meekness um, in their life. And so the conflict here is going to be the contrast between the one who is meek and as it says in verse number 14, but if you have bitter envying and strife. And so the contrast and the conflict here is between the one who is meek in spirit and the one who's full of bitter envy and strife. And so, you know, James is not going to pull any punches here. Listen to what he says in verse 14. But if you have bitter envy and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. You say you have faith, but if you have bitter envy and strife, you're lying, you're not doing the truth, you don't have what you say you have. That's, that's, I mean, James is not pulling any punches. So he's saying, don't be full of bitter and envy strife. Someone who professes to follow Jesus, who has bitterness and strife in their lives, lies and does not the truth. What is envy? Envy is bad feelings towards another because of their success. How do you, how do you respond if, if someone receives a blessing? How do you respond if it seems that someone else is growing? How do you respond if someone gets a raise on their job or somebody gets a, you know, some kind of financial blessing or just it, things seem to be going well in their life? Do you, do you have envy towards them, hard feelings towards them because things seem to be going well with them. That's what envy is. And someone who is walking with Christ will, and someone who is wise will not have bitterness or envy. Neither will they be bitter. Bitter here means sharp, cruel, severe, or reproachful. You know, I can, I can say this, but uh, one of the things that always drives me crazy about uh, people in our community is when someone begins to succeed, and it happens a lot in sports, if someone begins to do well in sports, what, what, what always happens? Instead of everyone being uh, proud and encouraging to them, they're always like, well, you know, that person, they're rah, 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 rah. And, you know, they always got something negative to say about that person. It seems like People can't stand to see other people succeed. That's not, an, that's not an attribute of one who is a child of God. So, so as Christians, we should not have bitter envy. We shouldn't be sharp and cruel and severe. You've been around those people, right? Sharp, severe, always got something sharp to say they always got something hard to say they you know they're not easy to approach and and you're afraid to say anything because you're afraid how they're going to respond to you you know 
Listen, as a Christian, don't let that be you. Don't let that be said of you that I'm afraid to talk to them because I'm, I'm afraid of how they're going to respond. And, and they, they always hear sharp, angry, harsh words out of you. As Christians, that, we, that, that shouldn't be one of our characteristics. What's it say? Strife, bitter envying and strife in your hearts. Strife is contentious. Those who create factions. You know, you've always got that person that's always kind of gig and they're always trying to, you know, cause an argument and always trying to, you know, listen, as Christians, we shouldn't be known as that person. That person is not wise. That person is not displaying the characteristics of Jesus. And James is trying to outline that. And again, remember, why is this important to these early Christians? Because they're going to new places. They're scattered abroad and they're going to be making new friends. And, and they're going to be the example of Jesus Christ out in the world. And so they don't want to be a person that is bitter and envious and full of strife. They want to be meek and, and someone that's easy to be entreated and, and someone that's easy to get along with because they're being a witness for Christ. The same should be said of us. Just as they are being witnesses for Christ in the first century, we are the witnesses of Christ today. And the way that we present ourselves, the way that we communicate with others, we are being a witness of Christ. Contentious people. What is a contentious person? You know, strife, a person is full of strife is someone who's contentious. Contentious means apt to contend, given to angry debate, quarrelsome. Perverse. Adapted to provoke contention or disputes. Always wanted to bring up that subject that you know will cause contention. That shouldn't be us. It's not a good conversation that James describes in verse 13 if we are constantly bringing up a subject that we know is going to cause contention. Or to bring about debate. James is saying that if you're wise and endued with knowledge, you're going to show out of a good way of life. It's going to be displayed in how you speak. And if you're speaking bitterness and envy and strife and contention, you're not being wise. You're not following the uh, uh, the picture of Jesus. You're not portraying the proper image of Jesus to the world. And so we understand that this bitterness and envy and this strife is often displayed by the way that we speak. So that's why we need to be careful with our speech. And again, that's the whole point that James is making here in in chapter number three, is our speech makes a difference. And notice what he says. He says, um, glory not, in verse 14. Glory not in that. 
Do not glory if bitter envy and strife are part of your character. There are some types of glorying that are not good. And so James is making the point that they shouldn't glory in these characteristics. If those characteristics are part of your personality, do not glory in it. And again, we've mentioned this so many times, but people, are, people say, well, that's just who I am. That's just the way that I'm made. That's just part of who I am. Well, guess what? That needs to change. That's what you are as a Christian. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. Who you were, you were created in the flesh. The flesh is dead. It's full of trespasses and sins. And our character and our personality can be full of uh, dead actions. And it needs to be changed. And part of what being a Christian is, is being a new creature in Christ Jesus. It's crucifying the flesh and it's putting to death those old characteristics of the old nature that were full of sin. And so we can't glory in that. We can't uh, be proud of that. We can't be proud of being a person that's contentious all the time. You know, I, I mean, you know what? I've told this before. You guys may not remember, but, you know, one of the characteristics of the Dowdies was they're stubborn. They're hard-headed. And uh, I remember telling Mom one time, I'm like, Mom, don't be proud of your stubbornness. Because that's not a Christian attitude. You need to get rid of that Christian attitude. You can't be proud of that hard-headed stubbornness and not able to be persuaded. It's not Christ-like. So, you know, there's, there's people that are proud of these characteristics and they're negative. They're not a portrayer of a Christian attitude. And we can't glory in those things that are contrary to the character of Christ. And that's what James is warning here. Don't glory, don't boast about attributes that are not God-honoring. As a matter of fact, we ought to be ashamed of those things. If our actions and our attitudes are bringing reproach upon the name of Christ, we should be ashamed of that instead of glorying in it. That's the point that James is making. He's saying you're lying against the truth. Now, I said James is not pulling any punches. And it's not easy for any of us to hear if we possess those characteristics. You know, we need to be careful about being the person who says, well, I'm just going to tell them like it is. Well, if you telling it like it is is full of envy and bitterness and strife, then you shouldn't be telling them like it is. So you see this conflict. James is bringing it out. It's like, that kind of speech, that ought not to be in your life as a Christian. Notice what he says in verse 15. This wisdom, the wisdom that promotes bitterness and envy and strife and contentions, that is not from above. That's from the earth. It's sensual. It's devilish. When you portray that kind of speech, when you portray those kind of actions, you're following the works of Satan. That's what he's saying. Again, James has not pulled any punches. 
He's laying it out there. So bitterness and envy originate in the flesh and not the spirit. Why are bitterness and envy not advisable? Notice what he says in verse 16. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. Confusion and disorder are always present when bitterness and envy and strife are a part of someone's life. It leads to other evils. You know, have you ever been around this when you, you've been around some people and they got some good-natured ribbon going on, you know, and they were just having a good time and we're just, we're just, you know, we're just cutting each other down and we're just, you know, and then before you know it, somebody says the wrong thing and it escalates into a larger situation, maybe even escalates into a physical altercation that results in a fight. See, that's what happens. That's why... In the words of Barney Fife, you need to nip it, nip it in the bud, right? You, when you, that, those things begin to happen, you know, good-natured fun is not always good-natured fun. It's not advisable to have those kind of characteristics in your life. It's not safe. It's not innocent. You need to be careful because a lot of times when you are making good-natured ribbing towards another person, they might say, oh, it's okay, you know, but they may be really, you may be really hurting them on the inside. On the outside, they may be saying, oh, yeah, well, it's no big deal, but on the inside, you may be hurting them. So it's, it's never good when those things are present because it leads to other evils. So, so, so James is going to say, but the wisdom is from above. So he's just told him about the wisdom is from the earth, essentially devilish, the strife and bitterness and envy and contention. Verse 17, but the wisdom is from above. Notice how it's going to be displayed. It's going to be displayed pure, peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy, of good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Notice the wisdom that is from above knows how to interact with others. Interpersonal relationships mean something. If you, if you can't get along with others, that says something. If you're always getting upset around others, that says something. Because someone that is following the wisdom that is from above even their speech is going to be pure. And list those other characteristics. So heavenly wisdom will be displayed in the way one speaks, and he will speak these characteristics pure. It means uh, it has pure motives. It's not going to be half good and half bad because remember James just said that you can't have a, a mouth that blesses God and curses man. That don't, you can't have sweet water and bitter water out of the same fountain. And so our mouth can't be, sometimes I speak good and sometimes I speak bad. That's not pure language. Pure, pure language is going to be with pure motives. And it's going to be, your words are going to be thoughtful. You're going to think before you speak. And you're going to think about the pure words that you say. Peaceable. Peace-loving, seeking peace, and you bring peace. Do you bring peace with your life? 
and with your words. The wisdom that's from above brings peace. Gentle. Gentle means not rough, harsh, or severe. Reasonable, fair, or equitable. Equitable. So you're going to think about your life. Is your life gentle? Is your speech gentle? If you're following the wisdom from above, if you're following the leadership of the Holy Spirit, then you're going to be gentle, easy to be entreated, which means approachable, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. I mean, we're not digging into those deep, deeply. We could spend some time on those, but, but notice the contrast. Notice the conflict. There's a wisdom that is from beneath, that's sensual, that's devilish, that's full of bitterness and envy and strife and contentious. And there's the wisdom that's from above that's led by the Spirit of God and it's pure and gentle and uh, easy to be entreated and all that. You see there's a contrast between the two. So James is telling these early Christians, you, you need to think about your conversation, about your way of life and the way that you present yourself to others. And if you're truly following God, it's going to be known by your way of life and by your speech. Who you, who you say you are is one thing, but who you really are is going to be known. How's it going to be known? Verse 18 says, here's the resolution. The fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. So you're going to make peace. The presence of faith in your life is going to be shown because you walk in righteousness and you're, you're going to make peace with others. But we know that's only possible because of the presence of the Holy Spirit. Our character is only able to change because of the presence of the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit is present in us, it will be evidence in the righteousness that we produce. And we will display peace. The peace that passes all understanding. The peace that we have with God and the peace that we're able to live with others. And so James, again, the proof of faith. The proof of faith is going to be known by your character. Proof of faith is going to be known by the words that you speak and what your words produce. Bitterness, envy, strife, contention, peace. So I guess all of us need to stop and think about our lives and ask, what is my life producing? And if we find that it's not producing peace, we need to look at our hearts and we need to Think about who's leading our lives and we need to submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit and ask the Holy Spirit to help us, to lead us in righteousness so that we will display peace to the world because this world doesn't need more contention. What this world needs is the hope and the peace that hope brings. So let's display those characteristics as we go about our lives today. Heavenly Father, thank you for this night and the opportunity we have to leave, read your word and study. I pray that your Holy Spirit will deal with our hearts tonight. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.